Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022, more often than not. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them, and Della, she, her. And we're gathered here today for another fill-in episode because things have gotten away from us for reading fanfiction and discussing it. And because you can't stop us. (laughs) (laughs) You could try. As noted before, we are beholden to nobody. We do what we want. (laughs) We play by our own rules. And that's why they're having trouble finding a partner for us on the force. Also why we can kill Macbeth, I think. (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) You can, but I don't know if you can get away with that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the topic that we were bringing to the table today is crossovers. Mm -hmm. So what about crossovers? Crossovers, what are they? What do they smell like? (laughs) Well, in in terms of what are they, I don't feel like this is going to get into the weeds like the last time when we were talking about what is fan fiction. I think what is a crossover is somewhat clearer. Yeah, I think... We've had several episodes where we read fan fiction that were crossover, and uh, like a subject we touched upon in those is what each of us individually are looking for in, in a crossover, and I feel like we could talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, let's let's back up a little bit and see which direction we want to go. When I think of crossovers, I think of two broad categories of crossover, which are some sort of world hopping thing. Or some sort of fusion thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the latter are more common. But, you know, it kind of depends, right? With like a world hopping thing, it's like, oh, the character from this enters into this other world. Or characters or whatever. Or whereas with a fusion, it's like... A continuity with both things together. Right. And one way or another with both things together. Right. And often that'll be like, oh, the very first time that... I feel like a lot of the times in the crossovers I read, it can be these two things have existed independently. Well, you know what? Maybe that's more like the first definition. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so there's a type of crossover where it's like, oh, yes, Spider-Man has been in New York the whole time. And like, obviously, the things in Evangelion have been happening in Japan. And they just haven't, that hasn't mattered. To, okay, that, that's a bad example because Evangelion <laughs> takes place in the future. Um, Spider-Man's way over there, right? And... Uh, the characters in Ranma One Half are over here in Japan doing their own thing. Okay. And that just hasn't mattered until now in this story. Okay. That kind of crossover. That's that's a type of crossover which... that I feel like it kind of falls under the heading of world, like crossing between worlds, even though that's technically not the case in like the cosmology. Yeah. I'd, I'd call that either, depending on how they do it, uh, like a special guest appearance if one of them appears in the others, or if they both appear in a third area, then that's a fusion. Right. Both appear in this uh, third area. Well, a fusion to me is like you're taking elements from both of them and making a new continuity, Mm -hmm. but the events of the original either continuity cannot and did not happen. Well, I I think if we just say like they did happen, but they didn't interfere with each other, that is, in fact, the kind of a new continuity that's been fused out of the combination of the two. It's just they don't affect each other. (laughs) Technically, you're right. And I feel like the lines do blur there. Um. So for okay, let's back up. Okay. Have we read any <laughs> examples of the first just sheer these continuities, these things we're crossing over existed in their own independent worlds, and now in this story they're coming together through some sort of like magic or whatever? 
magic. See, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be magic, but like, yeah. well, I mean, like, like literally there's different worlds in play. There's some oh, circumstance. there's different worlds. Okay, yeah. So not like, you know, the Gargoyles, Ghostbusters crossover no. where we're, they're both supposed to be in New York already. Right. And right. now That's... we're just sort of merging the worlds. We're talking about two very different worlds that have come together. Right. Right? Ghostbusters, a Power Rangers crossover. <laughs> well, n- <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I think the only hardcore different worlds crossing over example that I can think of is the Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles crossover that we read. Oh, yes. That we did with Chris. Um, What was the name of that again? A Transcension. Yes. Which is a crossover between multiple Ninja Turtles continuities, all of which existed in their own continuities until like the characters met through time shenanigans. Yeah, I see what you mean, because that was, you know, a very like magical way of bringing them together in worlds that just, you know, they had to explain how the worlds came together Mm -hmm. because otherwise you just be like, what the hell? You can't just randomly throw different iterations of the turtles together. And Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, go on. And I feel like suddenly I suddenly as we're talking, I'm envisioning this like, you know, this line upon which like the amount of fusing can be placed in a crossover and moving a little bit further. I feel like, Tori, you talked about the Ghostbusters Gargoyles fanfic, which was called uh, More Things in Heaven and Earth way back in our episode 10. And that's one where all of Gargoyles happened. All of Ghostbusters happened. It didn't matter until this moment. And now they meet each other. Right. Right. right? The comic book crossover uh, style. Yeah. Like the (laughs) Ghostbusters suddenly see gargoyles on TV or the gargoyles suddenly see the Ghostbusters signs. And it's like, you just assume those were already going on in their environment. It's just that. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't matter until now. I feel like Detective, uh, what's her name? Maza. Maza. At one point is like, oh, yeah, the Ghostbusters who the police really hate because they're always causing like this property damage, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and like causing trouble. But like, it's not like she mentioned that in Gargoyles, right? But but basically, those two didn't matter to each other until the fanfic. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking about it. I feel like if you go further in the fusion direction, you get something like, oh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the story. Dire Fates. It's our episode 115. Yeah. The Hellblazer Oh My Goddess crossover. Ah. Where, yes, all of Hellblazer happened. And yes, all of Oh My Goddess happened. And yes, the characters didn't interact until this fanfic. But in the process, what the one of the things the author is doing is incorporating elements of each other into the backstories of the characters. So it's like suddenly now uh, Erd has a relationship with like the demons in the Hellblazer hell. Right, like Mera has right. to now be retrofitted to kind of exist in a world where that hell exists. And, you know, the, the goddesses have to be retrofitted to exist in a world where the heaven of Hellblazer exists. Okay. And it kind of has some implications to... The backstory. It does. I'm just wondering how that's like so differentiated from like the Ghostbusters Gargoyles crossover because it's like, yes, presumably, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said, like these ads were being shown on TV already. We just didn't mention them. And I guess you didn't have to adapt any I, I characters for saying. that. We, I, I don't know. We do have to rewrite the NYPD's experience to right. incorporate having <laughs> yes, had yes. to deal with the Ghostbusters. It's it's but, much more but, minor. But that's but, why I feel yeah. like it's all kind of like on a line of like how much you're doing this, right? Okay, yeah. And then I feel like at the far end of that, 
are the full fusions, like let's say Children of an Elder God, mm -hmm. which was the Cthulhu Evangelion crossover, where it's like we're taking these two properties, we're smashing them together to create a new continuity. The old Cthulhu mythos is not relevant. The old Evangelion is not relevant. It's only this new continuity, and you can't assume that anything happened outside of what the authors okay. have shown you on the page. Right. I feel like that's both a good and bad example because <laughs> of Evangelion having so many uh, reincarnations. <laughs> like, I what you're saying makes total sense, but you could also slot this into, like, a post-instrumentality oh, continuity okay, of Ava, yeah, right? Oh, uh, no, that's not, though. <laughs> okay, that's not. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Also, I was going to say, there Sorry. was no implication, at least as far as we read in that fanfic, that we were supposed to do that. Right. There was no suggestion that, like, this is some, like, reoccurrence. But nor is... Well, okay, you're right. There was no direct suggestion. Okay, fine. But, I will take that. They had, they had characters from the original series, right? Yeah, but, like, so yeah. do the reboot but, movies. But, yeah, like, that they, was they were new of versions of those okay. characters. <laughs> like, the backstory of Rey is totally different. She's clearly some sort of Deep One hybrid or something in yeah. Children of an Elder God, you know. Um, somehow Asuka came out way more emotionally stable, which is weird in a Cthulhu crossover, but... <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, but remember what we talked about? Like, I, I know this is totally sidetracking, but that's what was so f interesting about that fanfic is they started at a more stable place so that they could break them <laughs> so down. Where to go, right? Right. <laughs> so they yeah. could, they could Cthulian crazy break them right. down. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the it's the opposite theming, by the way, of of Ava. If you think about it, right, which is more like to explore their trauma and build them up. So I guess. If you think about it, like the major part of the crossover wasn't really the Lovecraftian, um, the Eldritch horrors or whatever they were. It was more the characters' emotional state, well, putting them in a, a Lovecraftian theming. Right. By my definition, right, the Lovecraft is not actually fan fiction anyway. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> so maybe that maybe that has difficulties with my, um, you know, calling it a crossover to begin with. But it's still a good example of a fusion, I think. Right. That's and so fair, yeah. So. Having just worked that in my head while we're talking right here, mm -hmm. what kind of crossovers do you all prefer from that angle? Um, I think it's fun when they slot each other's back, uh, not backstory, uh, canon into each other. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh yeah, of course they would they would be here, they'd be doing this. And, oh yeah, this while this happened, we were doing this. And I I have fun with that. That's not the kind of crossovers I make up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy when it's done well by, by other people. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like I my tastes run towards heavy fusion mm -hmm. because there's more of a sense of discovery beyond just like what happens when these characters meet each other. Yeah, I, I've never really written any fan fiction, but but <laughs> <laughs> in my notebook, I do have like plans for a Gunnar Grigg Court slash Steven Universe fusion uh, universe. <laughs> should write that. That'd be fine. Well, I, I don't know what the theme would be. I'm just I was just get excited trying to go. Oh yeah, it's a magic kid with a stone, and different things with their fathers. And yeah, I can show you my notes. <laughs> I would love to see that at some point. But I, I think that's further evidence that like you can take any two properties that you love and create a crossover. You know, Amato, as you were pointing to, like in any way that you fashion. Sometimes it has to be by mystical means, like. All the different turtles coming together. Well, that it doesn't have to be magic. It could be time travel. It's yeah. like they say yeah. different periods. But you, you know can how, do... how Star Wars is famously a long time ago. You can get there by time travel. Of course, yeah. There's really <laughs> nothing that's off limits in terms of crossovers, especially in properties where like magic or uh, very loose sci-fi stuff already exists. I'd like to just go off that commentary about like 
you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you, basically you can do anything. I feel like when getting into fan fiction, into the 90s anime fan fiction scene, late 90s, when I was a kid, I feel like crossovers are really something that jump out at one as a kid about fan fiction, about just like, oh, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the transformative idea, power, <laughs> really just like jumps out and like slaps you across the face when you run to your first crossovers and you're like, whoa, what? It's transgressive. Yeah. yeah and the transgressiveness. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, and um, speaking of doing whatever you want, mm-hmm. my favorite crossover we ever did was the CSI Charlie and Chocolate Factory one. <laughs> and that actually is something I was also thinking about um, with the um, Power Rangers crossover with Ghostbusters. Right. Is They were both ones that I found especially delightful because they took, in very different ways, the tones of each universe and slotted them into a different universe. Like in the Power Rangers one, they explained that there was some mystical, you know, I don't know, happiness field that made the town like super saccharine yeah. or something. Right. There's a Pleasantville thing going yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. The movie I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. And then the CSI Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it was just episode 58, CSI. by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> episode 58, Death by Chocolate. True believers. <laughs> It was just that, like, the CSI people came in and were so shocked by the absurdity of the rules of Wonka's world, right? Right. Yeah, I I feel like there's two ways. Yeah, you can kind of try to merge things so that they fit together, or you can kind of play off the fact they don't really fit together. Yeah. How how do we feel about tone mixing with two franchises from completely different tones of media? I've got to say, I... I prefer, just on a personal reader level, when they find something resonant between the two things rather than letting things, uh, kind of letting the tones clash off each other. Yeah. And I'm thinking, for example, well, I think, I think Evangelion Cthulhu has like a similar sense of like dread and like unknowable things that can and will hurt you that they like, you know, do really well. Great inscrutable gods. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so so I feel like that's why it feels so good to have those two together. I'm thinking of um, a letter from Screwtape, 92, which is kind of a weird one because on the one hand, there's definitely a pleasure in seeing kind of like how you can fit these things together and have it feel right. Mm-hmm. But at the other hand, it is sort of like subtextually addressing the fact that the tones of these two things are totally different. At, not, not totally different, Not though, totally different. Because there's that bureaucratic aspect. There's bureaucratic right. and there's making light of big moral decisions while still considering the implications of those. Yeah. So I guess I guess what I was thinking was the cosmologies don't work together. Yeah. But the tone actually works together pretty well. It's like, sure, Screwtape can light a le- write a letter to this evil demon legal firm. And that that feels good. Yeah, it's one of the things where like I I mm-hmm. like the idea of it the most. Right. Right. Well, that one was, you know, especially short. It was this little concise letter, so it contained itself. Um, I think in a, a you know, in a way that just made sense for the world. I think if they had, you know, for instance, reached beyond that, they would be looking for more ways to tie the universe together, you know. Mm-hmm. Um also, like, really quick side note, I just realized that the Power Rangers theming I was thinking of was from Loss of Innocence, which was not mm. a crossover. No, that was just that. But it it was just that. It was this weird explanation. But it, it also had me thinking that, like, it's crossover-like in the sense that they had to give an explanation for why the world was the way it was, I guess. That's just fan fiction. Yeah. That's not yeah. a crossover. No, I know, but... 
in the similarity of like if they they were slotting into the real world, like they could have just existed in the Pleasantville of the Power Rangers universe. Right. I don't know. I I well, it's just a tonal shift. I it's, feel like, and that's kind is, of a different yeah. a different deal. But crossovers carry those a lot, and I think that's what we were kind of speaking of before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just wanted to point out that I was wrong. <laughs> Mainly, <laughs> you have integrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when we're thinking about uh, thematic resonance rather than dissonance, mm-hmm. it also makes me think back to our episode one thirty one. Sorry, one hundred thirty, where we read as much of Symphony of the Sword as we could get through, Tori. <laughs> And that's a mega crossover, right? It throws right. all oh, kinds gosh, of things yeah. together. But the one part that got me really enthused, so enthused that I didn't actually explain why I was enthused very well in that episode, <laughs> was when we got the idea that like Utena and Magic Knight Rayearth were supposed to exist in the same world. Okay. And the reason I thought that was so cool was because both of them fundamentally at kind of their like core concepts have this idea of the happiness of the world being put on the weight of one sacrificial person who do not themselves get to be happy. Right. Like, like the Omelas mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's why it's nothing that I never thought of, but when those two were put in close proximity, I was like, oh, brilliant, because that that like thematically just jives so well. It does. Um, but I don't know. This is something... I kept reading that fanfic for a while, mm-hmm. and... What I find a bit disappointing is I felt like they kept, you know, it was sort of hinted at in the part we read, but the author kind of ignored the themes of Utna in order, especially to make Utna like, uh, or Anthe, especially someone important in Sephiro. Um, or Sephira, I don't know how you say it. Yeah, but they, they were, uh, I don't know. My point is, is like, they were paying more attention to the world of, Magic Knights Ray Earth than they were to the themes of Utna, mm. which sort of fundamentally changed the characters. Got it. Um, so that's an interesting thing with crossover. It was like, to me, it was like they were, it's not like it was bad per se, but it was trying to slot something into a place that it didn't fit. And I think that can be a really big challenge in crossover. I mean, especially, you know, obviously with that work, Symphony of the Sword was oh my God, so many crossovers. Like, they were <laughs> trying so hard. Like, I'm not trying to knock the author because the author's, but, like, it's mostly, I think Author it was, of that? Yeah. Mo- oh, mo- no, there, there were multiple authors, even just in Symphony of the Sword. You are right. Correct. Yeah, it's mostly Benjamin Hutchins, but he, like, they all worked so hard to make all these things yeah. work. It's just some things did not fit. And also, there's no upper limit to number of franchises to cross over with, right? Sure. No. If you cross over too much, it doesn't suddenly become not a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And, you know, I just, I was just thinking, like, in our conversation, I was just saying, oh, I like it when there's, like, some kind of, like, cool thematic, like, you know, resonance about the properties it fits mm-hmm. together, or, like, interesting dissonance, like, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. But I feel like one of the mega crossovers that we all love and enjoyed I'm not sure it has either. I'm thinking of A Night in the Lonesome October, our episode 57. Right. And I feel like, and that's the Roger Zelazny's, you know, actual published-ass novel, mm. where, yeah, there's Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and there's the Wolfman from the movie The Wolfman, and there's, like, you know, a bunch of, so there's Lovecraftian it's... elements and all kinds of stuff. And I feel like the main thing there is just that the author's having so much fun with it, right? It's not that, like, they all have some deep theming that, you know fits together it was fun because 
they wrote a good story. <laughs> That's what it boils down to, right? Kind of hard to like identify what you like in a crossover because like I think what you like in a crossover is a story that's written well. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let me think about it this way. Would you like a Night in the Lonesome October as much if it was not a crossover? If it was just like new characters. Okay. I was just thinking like it's, I mean, I love Zelazny, so, like, maybe, yeah. And <laughs> so mostly, maybe, I, like, yeah. snuff yeah. the watchdog. Right. But, <laughs> who's, an, who's an OC. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, however, there is something delightful about the fact that it is Bella Lugosi's Dracula yep. and Lon Chaney's Wolfman, <laughs> you know? Like, we spoke about this when we did the episode. It's just, like, there is something so referential that kind of, it almost makes it corny, and yet, it was an element of the enjoyability for me, I think, as well. Well, I guess I guess part of the tone he's going for is this kind of like campy horror movie vibe. Mm. And that, right, and that th- those crossover vehicles, they yeah. make you see it. Yes, right? they do. But no, the characters are campy horror movie. The 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 mode of the story was very serious. That's true. Be- mm. Very serious, character focused, large existential problem. Well, that kind of brings me back to the idea of tonal crossings that right. we were talking about yeah, yeah. before it's like maybe there is something delightful in seeing these juxtapositions of tone so let's come th- come at this from a different angle what sort of crossovers don't don't work well let's go back to a crossover that we were all very unsatisfied with even though we were enthusiastic about it to begin with and i'm talking about something in the eyes our episode mm. 50 the labyrinth narnia crossover Right. And it sounds like that should be a surefire hit, right? Because it's like, come on, Labyrinth and Narnia, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no more Amato. And specifically, <laughs> it was like post-Labyrinth, post-Narnia, Susan and um, Sarah becoming friends or something. At least that's that was my understanding when we read it. Right. Why were we so unsatisfied with that as a crossover, Tori? Do you remember... I was actually sort of dreading you bringing this one up because I don't remember it very well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it w- this wasn't the one where um, she gets together with Jareth. Sure it was. Yeah, we the- read another Labyrinth fanfic? Okay, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't read well, any of I was dissatisfied with that. that first one. <laughs> um, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I- I'm trying to remember the crossover component, though, because ultimately it's um, the protagonist of Labyrinth, whose name I forget. Sarah. Sarah, thank you. You just said it. But um Well they both start with S. So it's Yes, Susan and Sarah. Yeah. I know I kept (laughs) thinking Susan in my mind. I was like, that's not the right one. So Sarah actually ends up getting together with Jared, which is really messed up because she's 15 and he's like 900 or something. She's older in the fanfic, but that's not Mm, really the problem. uh, It's not old enough. The problem is that yeah, (laughs) she's still I think she's still a teen. I think that's the main dissatisfaction we had with it, is it was all about how like their romance had always been a thing ever since she met right. him. And, you know, if you watch Labyrinth, like, I think that scene is creepy. He's creepy. Yeah. And right. it's not supposed to be like they were in love. No, that's and, why she's supposed to turn yeah. him down at the end and return to, right. you know. That's the whole point of the movie, in my opinion. Well, you would be in CJ. And, well, did all of Deli, were you the, talking? No, no. It was just Mato and yeah. me and CJ, yeah. yeah. So I, that's I, what I thought. I've just listened to the episode. I haven't read the actual thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think we all had the same opinion that it was just not a good ending for Sarah. However, the crossover, the funny part is like, 
I don't remember the crossover part of it, right? Like, Susan was there. In summary, but... they become friends. One of them kind of inspires the other not to give up faith in the other world, I feel like. Mm, and I don't know, mm -hmm. Aslan's like an intermediary to Jareth at one point, but... Right. I... <laughs> Look, I feel like here's the thing. As a Narnia, post-Narnia fanfic, it was okay. I was a little bit dissatisfied that, like, um, Susan kind of had to, like, rediscover her faith in Aslan through the intervention of a hot priest male guy who she hooks oh, up with. right. But, but it wasn't as distressing in comparison as Sarah and Jareth That's are right. soulmates. Um, yeah, but, Susan and Sarah become friends only to convince each other to hook up with guys that are totally inappropriate for them, yeah, well, it's right? not as bad with Susan. It's not great. Mm. It feels a, still kind of patriarchal, it's not as bad. No. especially like religiously patriarchal, which is weird because that's not normally something that I encounter in fan fiction. Um, but but it's not as distressing. I feel like we were more distressed by the Sarah part, and I think maybe that goes back to you're talking about Utna in Symphony of the Sword, mm. where it seems mm -hmm. like maybe something that pulls us out of a a crossover is when it feels like the whole, like, one half of the crossover is not getting its due, is, like, subservient or somehow, like, not, like, the, the main ideas of it have not been coming through. Right. But as I'm talking about that, there are plenty of labyrinth fanfics that are not crossovers where that's still an issue, where people are like, oh, yeah, <laughs> David Bowie's hot, so let's, let's hook up these two. And it would still be the same problem whether or not it was a crossover. So maybe what I just said no, was meaningless. Like, the bad thing of a, of a crossover that does no work is where they cross over with one side that doesn't um, add or contribute or pull its way right. to mm. the story. Right? Yeah, I guess so. Because that's the thing is like, y you have a point like in the sense of, y yeah, I didn't remember s much of Susan's presence in the story. And part of the, you know, a big part of the reason I thought it was bad was the Sarah and Jareth thing. <laughs> However, the fact that I don't remember much of Susan's presence in the story means that what was Susan adding to the story, right? What was the point of this crossover? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I vaguely remember that it was sort of like, oh, they had both like lost their enchanted worlds and like finding another sure. person kind of was like a, a rediscovery thing. But I also remember us complaining at the time that their friendship did not amount to much. Exactly. And yeah. we would have expected it to. There really wasn't... The driving force was to get these two hooked up romantically with different partners that, like, didn't really have a lot to do with the crossover aspect of the story, I suppose. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not a fan of crossovers. whose main goal is to hook up characters in different universes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you would be fine with that one because it was only hooking up characters within their same universes. I'm still not, no. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. That's the that's the biggest part, right? Is it's like how how is it necessary for this to be a crossover in that case? Like even more so. Like we really needed to pull in someone from a different world just to convince this person to hook up with this other person. Like couldn't have been someone in their own life already. Mm. I mean, there's something to be said though for when when you have two characters from different franchises having like an interaction or a chemistry that's wasn't possible before. Yeah. Well, yeah. All I'll say is I would have been a lot more satisfied if Sarah and Susan had hooked up at the end. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not sure what we're talking about, but just in general. Me too. Right. <laughs> what about something like um, the Muppets Runway one half crossover? I think that falls more in the category of A Night in the Lonesome October, where it's like, 
Well, no, I guess it's not. I was going to say where it's just fun to do it and it doesn't need, you know, Ranma doesn't have to contribute any theming, any kind of like, you know, deep character right. development things. The point is to have fun with it. The Ranma cast is guesting on Muppets. And I guess right. the, the reason it works so well, I, the reason it works as well as it does like, we, we is really because- We enjoyed it, didn't we? Yeah, we mm -hmm. did. Other than a few, a few scenes that fell flat, we really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like actually- Maybe calling it theme is, you know, too broad, but it's because of the pig thing. Right. Like, it works so well because of the pig thing. It's like a hook to be able to draw this character who does not at all belong in the Muppets into it. And now that I am talking, <laughs> bringing a character who does not belong into the Muppets into the Muppet show is what they did every episode. So actually, it feels, oh, right. it's barely even a crossover in that sense. It's just like what the Muppets do. It's just the format of their show, which was... Right. Cross, crossing over celebrities into there. Right. It was definitely celebrities the or occasionally show. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I like Mark Hamill. He's just a good joker. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm pretty sure he was on that show as Luke Skywalker, yeah. not as Mark Hamill. Yeah. Oh, then forget it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that's a good point in terms of what we're talking about in tone. However, you, you don't need to worry about whether something fits. Whether the tone of something else fits the Muppets, because they just become right. part of the Muppets. Right. And I, I do think, like, I always feel a little bit disappointed when that happens, but it always does work very well. I think when one franchise becomes subservient into the crossover franchise. Did it work in uh, Akadi, though? Because Animaniacs really became subservient to Akira in that fanfic <laughs> that we just did. Doesn't sound yeah. like you guys had fun with that one. No. <laughs> um, it had its moments. But I, no, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I thought it, I actually, I thought it was fun. I just didn't think it was like that inventive, I guess. Mm. Um, I still, I did enjoy reading it. It just like, you know, as we spoke about. That I it guess was... the main problem there was not that the Animaniacs content was subservient to the Akita content. It was that then they didn't do enough interesting with the Akita content or like it was... It was more of a rewrite. Well, they should have done it as like an Animaniacs sketch. That's that what like I assumed it would be, mm -hmm. and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it started out that way. I think they yeah. just kind of got lost in trying to be like very faithful to the Akira plot. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's something that crossovers can easily become subject to, especially if they're the sort of crossover. And this is a type where they're trying to do one you know, a plot of one thing in a tone of another, right? right. Mm -hmm. By the way, I feel like we've addressed, we've talked at least briefly about almost every crossover that we've discussed on this show. Mm -hmm. There's just a few that we haven't. Yeah. But, um, but like, for example, the, the Calvin slash Fox, Calvin Hobbes Fox Trot crossover uh, you weren't even on for. That was me and Taryn, yeah. Yeah. Corey. I did, I did read the fanfic, though. Oh, okay. I liked it. A lot more homework than you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing the illustrations at the time, and it wasn't that long. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the illustrations. The other crossovers we've done we haven't talked about are 90 Sherlock Holmes slash Cthulhu done by Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. Which was... I really enjoyed reading that one. Yeah. I don't think I talked about that one either. That it's, was you and Serena, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's award-winning. Like, mm -hmm. it's a good short story. It's a good short story. Yeah. And I like that, you know, it starts off feeling like it's 100% the tone of Sherlock Holmes. It just, and then it gets kind of undercut by the end. It's just completely Cthulian by the end. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah. Not completely in tone, but but yeah, more and more like yeah. as it as it goes along. I I like the most about that story is um the like newspaper article headlining things in there. Well, oh, yeah. the, 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 the advertisements. The advertisements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A little yeah, very similar to the Zelazny story. Mm-hmm. Was like the idea that these little advertisements were from the tropey, you know, like this one's Dracula exsanguination Mm -hmm. practice or whatever, like, and those little references to things that are kind of like cultural icons uplift the piece, I guess. Mm. Yeah. It does add a lot to like, what's fun about the crossovers is that like when you combine uh, two canons is you get, get more like a, side things which makes uh, which creates a more lived in world i think it feels like or it could i feel like right i feel like i feel i feel like i know what you mean that sometimes it kind of just creates a richer tapestry because you're just kind of putting more threads into it yeah well it's like um to compare it to role-playing games mm-hmm. a lot of dms talk about how they like overplanned stuff mm-hmm. that and they only end up like uh actually using like a like five percent of the material that they write up but the fact that just having all that backstory in their heads really informs a lot of the decisions the story can make yeah makes sense oh by the way there's one crossover we haven't mentioned which was sailor trek a borg to remember our episode four oh, yes. i thought about that I, I couldn't think of when to bring it up the thing is there's <laughs> nothing to say about it yeah it's it's one of those early fanfics we did, like both that one and More Things in Heaven and Earth, the Gargoyles Ghostbusters one. You know, they've got modest goals. It's like these two sets of characters meet, they have an adventure, and they go home. And they do it, and then the fanfic's done. Yeah, for like a Sailor Trek, for for Sailor Moon Star Trek crossover, I want there to be like Sailor Vulcan and stuff. Mm-hmm. And gotta be a Sailor Vulcan, I know. Sailor Remus. <laughs> there's just, there's, yeah, there should have been a little bit more, I guess, in that. Not that it wasn't an enjoyable story. And there's but... too, too much Rikers hitting on uh, teenagers. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, right. Infinitely too much. <laughs> Infinitely too much. It's just, well, it yeah. feels like such like fruitful territory. And yet I felt like both franchises were sort of resigned, like, um, like put in their own space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, Neither of those two stories I mentioned were terrible. It's just that I don't feel like I have much to say about them. They were a crossover that the idea was, hey, let's cross this over. Mm-hmm. And like, right. that's like the whole thing. That's the thing with like what I mentioned with my um, idea for the Grunner Craig Court uh, uh, Steven Universe crossover. It was like, I don't have a story there. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to m- mush the universes together. You haven't found the thematic core that needs to like be in place or well, interesting like, events. The idea would just be like, if, Going through the story of Grenner Kid Court with a supportive father figure. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a Greg instead of yeah. Anyways, <laughs> well, you see, but that's great. I just think that, like, I, I think something we've identified in talking about this is that crossovers have to have a little bit more than just let's smash this together. Yeah. However, that is something more. You <laughs> well, know, you have a goal. However, <laughs> something also is that I think one of the things I've identified as being a problem is when tones don't mix and when theming doesn't mix, especially, right? Mm-hmm. Like when characters are taken out of their element and they're basically, I don't know, not fitting their thematic molds, if that makes sense. Well, 
Speaking of crossover ideas or just slamming things in together because it sounds like a fun idea, <laughs> let's all share our favorite uh, crossover ideas that sound fun that we're never actually going to write. And Della, you already started. I, I would also like to add to that pile. I think you can find it on my Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. Steven Universe cross uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you and I model talked about that a little bit online. <laughs> I think you're just saying Steven Universe anything, right? It could be. <laughs> <laughs> but no, not, not everything. Uh, for me, I feel like for years and years, I've had in the back of my head some sort of educational, you know, educational children's media crossover. Specifically, I want Carmen Sandiego and Ms. Frizzle from the Magic School Bus to team up for something. Uh, and there are a couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, back, back when I was first thinking about this, I was like, I got to get more characters in there and make it a mega crossover. And now I'm older and wiser. And I'm like, no, no. Carmen Sandiego and Ms. Frizzle is plenty. That's enough mm. to carry the whole story by itself. Uh. <laughs> and yeah, Ms. Frizzle, you know, you go back and look at it. Like she's probably about Carmen Sandiego's age, really. Like yeah. Yeah. She, she's not like an old teacher as portrayed. Like she, she's she doesn't definitely... Yeah, she doesn't dress like a straight person. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and no way are you going to tell me that Carmen Sandiego is exclusively heterosexual either. <laughs> Too greedy, wants everything. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some manner of bi, yeah, or pan or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what about you, Tori? Are there any crossover ideas that you just think would be fun? I feel like I've probably come up with a million of them in my mind as the years have gone on however um nothing's springing to the forefront you know what it's something that because here's the thing i like right i like matching like color palettes and types and archetypes of characters i always sort of thought it'd be fun to do you know like sailor moon and digimon or something like that something where the characters each have sort of an archetype and a color palette. And so you get to like pair the characters together. Like not romantically, that would be super weird. They're children. <laughs> but you know, like to do team quests. Yeah. yeah, like Yamato and like Sailor Mars get to go on a, a quest together, you know, and probably Usagi and Taichi. Yeah. With, you know, obviously the Digimon as well. Yeah, I, th I like that character interaction. Yeah. It just sounds really delightful to me. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, Gatomon, yeah, or uh, Tailmon, yeah, in Japanese would yeah. hang out with the yeah the Sailor Moon cats. The yeah. most confusing thing about Digimon every time we talk about it is me remembering that like you have to call the Digimon characters different names at different times. I mean, well, you know, self identity is important, you know? <laughs> right? And that can change in flux. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, when this episode goes up, I'll definitely want to post a. Twitter thing and assuming we're still using Twitter um, and and ask people what their favorite crossover ideas that will probably only ever be ideas are. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of those like just people want these two characters to like talk to each other. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've talked about this before. I also still want my fanfic called Ah Real Ghostbusters. That's <laughs> Ah Real Monsters and Real Ghostbusters crossover. Yeah. And I want it just for the title. I don't care what happens. <laughs> I just want that title. Well, I believe in you, Amato. I believe you can write this thing. Well, it's a clever title. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it's also, you know, one of those natural crossovers in terms of like, well, like Ghostbusters Gargoyles. You're like, sure. 
Why not? Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, supernatural, spooky-ish, still funny. Yeah. Right. All right. I think that wraps up everything that we have to say about crossovers at this time. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I can make something up. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could probably say some more, but I prefer not to. <laughs> All right. Then we're going to finish this. Uh, we should have had like a guest on for this and made it a crossover episode with another podcast, but, but we've been that doing too much work. We've actually been doing quite a few of those recently. We have. Oh yeah, we yeah. forgot to discuss all of our crossover podcast episodes. <laughs> well, we brought them up, I think, recently. Well, they know because they're following our our Twitter account, right? <laughs> yeah, presumably. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was our crossover discussion episode. Whose number I'm not yet sure of. Does it have a number? <laughs> I, it might. <laughs> your special episodes have numbers no I not th- usually but we did for our like retrospective discussion for episode 100 so okay but that was like a celebratory yeah i, I think special episodes are outside the numbering scheme got it yeah this was our special episode discussion <laughs> about crossovers the intro song for the podcast is the weekly fair off of the album Popey's incredible adventure by komiku the outro song is run against the universe from the same album you can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. I also mentioned out of order, I'm mentioning out of order, that our <laughs> podcast is edited by Della Davis. Woo! You can move that ahead of the previous thing so it's no longer out of order, but then there would be no reason for me to say that I said the things out of order. Yeah, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to. Right. <laughs> Just one of the many problems faced by podcast editors every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, work too hard. Thank crosstalk. Thank you, <laughs> podcast editor, in your life today. <laughs> thank you, Della. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. Wish people could have seen that eye contact you made after that. <laughs> <laughs> Or you can leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use to listen to podcasts like this one. Podcast. Podcast. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Della. We're just three Earth life forms trying to stay in the same continuity. Until <laughs> next time, take care. Uh, screw you guys. I'm, I'm going to my own continuity. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we were pretty much not in each other's continuity. <laughs> <at the last laughs> hey, we tried. <laughs>